Hello? Hello? Hi! I know it's been so long. Kiss, kiss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the kids. Yeah, the kids are great. Yeah. Not mine. I don't have them, but yours. Yours are great. I know. I know. Well, you know, I can't really talk right now. You know, I don't have children, so I podcast in my spare time. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm breastfeeding, but it's just an audience that I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like I have like a thousand kids. You know, I just don't see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, so lovely chatting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super busy. Swamped even. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Yeah. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Busy body. Yeah. Thank you so much, girl. Okay, bye. Busybody. This is episode two. This is episode two. If you missed the first one, it's okay. Although I do recommend you go back, but also you don't have to. It's up to you. Hi, how are you? I always say hi a bunch in the beginning. I need to be real, raw, and me for a minute on the mic. Presumably I'm real, raw, and me the entire time, but I'm going to get really raw, really me. I'm laying down behave. And I asked, and you answered last week, I put out a poll. What would you be interested in hearing me talk about on the next episode? And shockingly, a number of you, the majority even, voted to hear my thoughts about time. Well, <laughs> the irony being that I need more time to talk about time. No, I had every intention. Well, you know, let me, let me just say this before I go into my spiel. Today's episode, I'm going to need a lot of grace and I'm going to need you guys to meet me where I'm at. I know that's a lot to ask because it's just the second episode and you and I are still strangers. <laughs> you know, I normally wouldn't ask this much of a stranger, but um, I feel oddly close to you. Aww. I mentioned this on Instagram and maybe it's obnoxious. Um, I hope it comes across as just like me, I don't know, being honest and candid Maybe I'll put some strings under this to ooze it up, but I did start Lexapro over a month ago. It's new for me and it has just like fully kicked in. And so I'm like riding the wave of like evening out and part of like evening out for me, how it's affecting my body and my mind is that yes, I feel great. I feel calm. I'm not riddled with anxiety and I don't have all these intrusive thoughts and that's amazing. It's quieting a lot of noise in my brain that I previously had. However, it's muting a lot more than I thought it would mute. And so I've had low energy and with the low energy comes, you know, low focus and I'm having difficulty cultivating a thoughtful episode on time. I do have many thoughts about time. Um, and I started to do a lot of research. I even, guys, I researched thermodynamics and entropy and Carlo Rovellini. I think that's his name. Um, I have it here. He's this really sweet Italian physicist. And he talks about how time isn't linear and all these things. And Carlo Rovelli. 
Yeah, he's a physicist and author. And I'm sorry in advance if you were looking forward to it, but I'd be happy to link the lecture I watched that Mr. Ravelli held in the description. So if you want to get your fix that way, I'm here for you. When I started this podcast, guys, it was all about free expression and how I'm feeling. And I want to like rant and rave and monologue and be goofy and whatever. And I was not feeling time this week. So I'm going to ask you to give me more time to gift you that. A quick aside. Oh my God, can you hear the seagulls? Ah, oh, if that ain't beach life, I don't know what is. Um, a quick aside is that one, if the audio sounds different, it's because I'm sitting up now and more centered as I talk into the mic. Oh my God, Seagull, honey. And two, I have given the nickname Alexa Professional to Lexa Pro because I imagine that Lexa Pro is like some like cool girl athlete in high school, but her real name is Alexa Professional. And I think, you know, maybe she's, she's definitely blonde, definitely blonde, but I like to picture her with maybe brown or hazel eyes, not blue. We don't want to be super conventional, but she does feel a bit basic to me. And I don't mean that in a degrading way either. I mean, she is ultimately at the end of the day, a super helpful friend. She's a great friend. She helps you out. She makes you feel better. I think her parents are lawyers and I think she feels a lot of pressure to overachieve. Um, but you know, those girls in high school that just like were effortlessly pretty and you know, maybe there's, like I said, pressure at home to like overachieve, be the best basketball star. You know, maybe there's an injury she gets, Ugh. you know, maybe it's like a million dollar baby situation where she doesn't die. Like I'm not being morbid about it, but maybe she does get pushed at halftime you know, by someone on the opposing team and she twists her ankle and she can't do her famous jump shot anymore. And, you know, and the whole irony being, of course, is that she's destined for a life of professionalism, whether it's being a professional basketball player or a lawyer following in the footsteps of her parents or, you know, maybe a dentist or, you know, she's definitely not going to spend her life sitting on her couch eating potato chips and talking into a microphone. That would be... <laughs> that, would, that would not be like Alexa, Alexa Pro wouldn't be her. If you feel that could be the case as well, you let me know in those goddamn comments. I like to give things little stories. Like I like to think that everything has their little story, their little fiction, and I like to imagine what that could be. I also feel that inanimate objects are living. I blame the movie The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. I do feel sometimes that my appliances have feelings, are sentient beings, you know, items such as pills and the bottle that they're housed in, are conscious feeling things, and I especially feel this way when I'm planting my cheeks, my naked cheeks, onto a toilet seat. I mean... How much weight do toilets hold? The weight of the world. I mean, seriously, can we just can we just have a moment for toilets? Let's just have a moment to celebrate the porcelain throne. Also, speaking of toilets, I do just want to um, publicly ask my friend Christian. Christian, if you're listening, I would like you to answer. You have what I think is either a tushy or the bidet on your toilet seat. And first of all, sitting on it the bidet slash tushy I'm not sure what device you have it is very nice I'm not knocking that but it is about six inches 
tall. And so when I'm sitting on your toilet, I'm like, my feet can barely touch the floor. What's up with that? Um, and I'm a tall broad and I'm like (laughs) just struggling to plant my feet on your bathroom floor. But I did mean to ask you the last time I was at your house, should the toilet seat or the tushy bidet rather, the device you have on top of your toilet, should it be warm? And is it heated? I looked over to the right where the remote is, where the settings are, and there did seem to be like a heat button that looked on, but I don't know if that was the water or the seat itself. So if you could just leave me a comment answering that question, that very public question, because now people want to know they're invested. We all would really appreciate it. Thank you. I also just want to point out that the one and only time I did use the aforementioned bidet, tushy, whatever device it is, um, I wasn't sure exactly how to work it. And I did hit the remote to turn it on, or so I thought, and out came boiling hot water, and the next day I got a UTI. And after nine, nine and a half minutes, I'm ready to start the show. Um, as I said, first up, if you're a true blue busybody, yoo-hoo, you'll know. I promised you Lucy Goose, and this is a Lucy. Actually, I believe I said Lucy ass, goosey ass, and this is what you're getting, baby. It's Lucy ass, goosey ass. It's like your butthole after some Taco Bell. I'm sorry. I don't really have much that I want to say. That's a lie. That's a lie. I want to talk to you about my pottery class that I've been taking. I'm on week two. I've made seven pieces. That's not what I really want to talk about. Although I do just want to provide maybe some context. I had a vision. Okay. Maybe if you're, you know, a little less sophisticated, you would call it a dream or an aspiration, but it To me, it came to me in a vision. That's the language I'm going to use around it. I had a vision of me making bowls and being really good at it and selling them on Etsy as a side hustle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, sometimes I I can't take myself seriously. And it's like, why do I expect anyone else to? Okay, I had a vision of this, the bowl making, the pot making, you get it. And so there's a pottery studio super close to my house. My teacher's name is Shark, and she's this gorgeous Mediterranean woman. So obviously I have like a massive crush on her, but it's more of like a maternal thing. Like I do feel like she's motherly and matronly. No, matronly makes her sound bad. No, she's stunning. She's like a mother, okay? She's mother. She's great. I'll give you an example of how she's, I feel she's motherly to me. And I'm not going to even hide it, guys. I know I'm like the favorite in the class already. I make the people laugh. I'm having fun. I'm making friends. I say little stupid jokes. Um, But I know Shark, my teacher, I'm her favy. She always comes over and she's like, good job, Erin. That's beautiful. Or like, oh, it's a little lopsided. Like, let's shapey wapey. And I'm like, yeah, girl. Yeah, mama. So last class... I was cleaning up my station and I was about ready to leave, uh, collecting my things. And she goes, Erin, don't forget your water bottle. Oh, can you believe it? I mean, she was looking after my things. Mother alert, mother alert. And also it's my hydro flask. 
I, I wouldn't be caught dead without the thing. Can't you imagine how embarrassing that would be? I just got it. Oh, I just got this new Hydro Flask. It's a $35 water bottle, holds 40 ounces. Lime green, it's gorgeous with a strap that I hold as if it's a lantern and it makes me feel like a haunted groundskeeper from the 1600s. Yeah, <laughs> if I forgot that, what a loser I would be. So thank you, Mother Shark, for saving me. Next to me, every class sits this man. And I, I didn't catch his name. And to be fair, I don't think he's ever told me it. He smells of patchouli so strongly, which I'm never going to judge anyone for smelling like patchouli because I did use that as deodorant in college. And I was always like wondering why I was breaking out in college under my armpits. I was like, that's so weird. I have like a breakout rash on my armpits. Like what the hell? And it's like, yeah, because I was dousing essential oils on it like a freak. Just kidding. It doesn't make you a freak, but you just got to know, you know, different skin, you know, different strokes for different folks and different yolks for different eggs. So... Did you like that? Yeah, that could be a t-shirt. So this man sits next to me in last class, we're spinning and there's clay and there's water. And if you've ever taken a pottery class or if you're familiar, you know it's pretty loud. You can't really hear the person next to you because it's just, it's loud. And he starts talking to me about like these days, you know, like, oh, these days. And you know, he's older. He's like an older hippie type, but you never quite know where the older hippie types fall on, this, on the political spectrum, right? Like they could surprise you and be really Republican or they could not surprise you and be left-leaning. And you're like, okay, so you just, you never really know, at least in my experience. And we start talking about the internet and I'm like, just kind of like going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, because I can't really hear him. Um, and he says something like, yeah, you know, and some of these people on the internet some of these girls too, like half of them aren't even attractive. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, T totally all fugly sluts. How dare they? How dare they post pictures and talk on the internet if they're fucking fugly slut? What if I was like, and I fucking punched his ass. I gave him a fucking shiner the size of Texas, where I think he's from, little Republican ass. Uh, that didn't happen. But imagine that, guys, imagine that. Speaking of the internet. You know, I touched on it a little bit earlier in my little monologue, which who's to say this isn't a monologue either, but I love telling little stories about things, little fictions, you know, and I think we all have that same inclination. We create narratives in our head about events to package them nicely so that we have a little script that we recite every time someone asks us a, you know, question relating to our personal, personal history, so on and so forth. And I have done a lot of reading this week. You know, I'm trying to get it all in before they take the right away from me. I have to read before it is stripped away from me. Um, that is one thing with The Handmaid's Tale that I just feel, I can't buy into that part of the plot. I can't buy into the fact that all of these women in, in this very, um, religious nation that they created in The Handmaid's Tale, I can't believe that the women were not allowed to read because how else would they be super religious and know the stories and the texts that these new founding fathers were building their society around if they couldn't read them? So I don't know if I buy into that completely. But anyway, 
I've been reading a lot about the internet, shocker, and no better place to read about the internet than on the internet, and I'm going to link a couple pieces in the episode description. Um, I'll put the Carlo Rivelli piece in there. I have no idea if you guys are going to be interested in it, but let's, you know, why not? There's an essayist. She has a substack. Her name is Rain Fisher Kwan. Her substack is internetprincess.substack.com, and she has this amazing, amazing essay. It's called Standing on the Shoulders of Complex Female Characters. And it's written through like the feminist lens, but I think it kind of relates to just personhood in general. Um, so I can, it's a free piece on our Substack, so I'll link that. But I want to read a quote because I think one thing I've been noticing is that everyone, I'm generalizing, so just take this with a grain of salt, but it appears that most people I interact with, whether it's online or in person, feel flattened. And I think it's like a direct result of us cultivating our identities on the internet. I think that the internet feels more real than real life feels. And then it's also like a larger question of like, what even is real and what's real life and who's to say internet life isn't real. I mean, I can't get into that whole thing today, today. Um, and I've just been thinking a lot about how the internet is flattening language. There's no nuance, which if you're friends with me, you know I love nuance. <laughs> I love the gray. I welcome ambiguity. The language, I mean, the emotions that we use, the the phrases, like we talk in memes. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I've read a lot about this. I'm not the I'm not the first person to have these thoughts. I'm not the smartest person to have these thoughts. But I just, I think it's really interesting and it's hitting a lot with me this week for, for whatever reason. So I haven't been into time this week, but I have been into identity, uh, which is, you know, equally as light and fluffy as a topic. I do want to read this quote. I am in my hysterical 20th century woman era. I would think unlikably. I am sleeping at erratic hours. I am sobbing. I am writing and never publishing. I am seeing shapes in my wallpaper. I am never washing my face. I am eating lavishly and I am ruining my reputation. I am making sure to eat a square of dark chocolate during my depressive episodes so they'll sound sexy in my memoirs. Even when I am ostensibly at my lowest, I am still filtering my experiences through the eyes of a consumer. The desire to editorialize our own experiences, to romanticize the unseen, to live for our biographies, has become an autonomic facet of womanhood as unavoidable as breathing. Woof! The part that really hits me is this last part, the desire to editorialize our own experiences, to romanticize the unseen, to live for our biographies has become an autonomic facet of womanhood as unavoidable as breathing. God, it's just, this stuff kind of makes me sad a little bit because we want to have an identity and be seen and our we want our existence to be consequential so badly and i think that's such a human thing i think that's so so painfully human that we just want to matter we just want to be remembered we want our lives to matter because we all innately know that we're just a blip you know on the timeline of existence if it even is a line we're just a tiny tiny little blip and we want to be significant and exceptional and in in trying to fulfill that desire we constantly want to tell the story of ourselves to other people 
Now, I'm not saying that maybe all of that storytelling is inherently fictionalized, but how can we be truly objective when it's like ourselves? I don't really think objectivity can exist when you're trying to recite something about yourself or state something about yourself, an experience about yourself. I don't really think you can be objective. I don't think we can really be objective observers. Although I guess that's the whole thing behind meditation. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to wax poetic here. There's another quote in this that I really like. Basically, her rationale behind this piece is that it just feels good to be understood even when it's only as a caricature. I really love that because, again, it's like we want to cultivate these identities that are palatable and easily consumed so that people can understand us. And it just flattens identities. Like we're just putting ourselves in these boxes like, oh, I am the fitness girl, Lululemon wearing athleisure girl, or I am like the blue haired feminist, or I am the nerdy comic book anime girl. It's like, and I'm, I'm using girl, but I just think anyone at this point. Um, it's just interesting. It's like we're trying to etch our identities out and firmly place our flag in like who we are and what our culture is and what, you know, communities we belong to online. Like we're, we're trying to do that online. We're shouting, we're screaming, like, I want to be seen. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I hang out with. This is what I wear. This is what I read. This is what I listen to. This is, you know, we're so desperately trying to do that and screaming at each other about it. And the irony being that in real life, it's like, vanilla we're all regurgitating like what we just see on the internet there's no nuance there's no edge you know so that's as I said I'm just I'm just filibustering but when am I not when am I fucking not this is the last quote I want to read from the piece try as I might I can only seem to understand myself through the fictions of the more actualized and just as I reassure myself that I am drawn to this media because of some predetermined inherent sense of self, I wonder if it is creating me too. Who would I be if I stopped consuming things? And what would there be left to feel? We consume so much now that perhaps we don't know what it means to exist as something unsellable. I had to give up journaling because I couldn't stop writing for the people who would read it after I was dead. Oh my god. Doesn't it just, she's genius, she's genius vibranas. Rain Fisher Kwan, I will for sure like link this piece in the description and her Substack. You should definitely subscribe. It's what I feared all along, that the internet, a thing that we once had more power over, now has more power over us. I think there was a time that we shaped the internet and now it is shaping us and culture at large. I really like what she says here. Um, you know, about consumption and, you know, who would I be if I stopped consuming, you know, and what would there be left to feel? Like, are we just informed by what we consume? If we had never watched a piece of media, we would just be, our identities would just be reflected back to us by the people in our communities, you know? It would just be interpersonal reactions or, or interpersonal relationships that would form our identity, and so if we didn't have media to like look to and learn from and glean identities from, 
and pull characters to model ourselves after, you know, unconsciously. I'm not saying that we're like consciously doing this. I think it's largely unconscious, but I think we're doing it and it's more prevalent now because we have access to so many people and there's so much information and our brains are trying to organize it all. And so by doing that, we're trying to organize ourselves to make it, like I said, more palatable. And so people can understand us more easily just by looking at our Instagram grid. Um, well, I'm getting nosebleed. Um, <laughs> it freaks me out. And I wonder if I, I'm, I obviously am not the only one with these fears, but I genuinely, it is a fear. Like I talk about it in therapy a lot. I'm like, I am terrified of the internet. I can't get off it. And yet I'm terrified by it. I just think it has so much power over us and our culture. And, and, and I mean, globally, you know, not just in like America, globally, it has this power and with great power comes great responsibility, folks. We've known it all along. And I just feel, you know, even from film school, when I first, you know, you, you can empirically know something to be true, but once you embody that truth and feel it, it's different. And I remember sitting in film school in one of my like media studies classes, and my professor said something that just clicked in my brain and it like sat in my body. Oh my God, media has so much power. And when in the wrong hands, which I'd argue 90% of media is in the wrong hands, when in the wrong hands, it can be a weapon. It can either be our greatest tool or it can be our weapon. And I think the internet was born of, you know, the desire to, to be a great tool for humanity. I think all technology sort of, I shouldn't maybe say all technology, most technology, I think is is purely just to be a tool to help us. Um, but it's so powerful and I just think our primitive little brains aren't evolved yet to like understand, you know, uniformly, collectively, like how powerful these institutions are, you know, i.e. the internet and technology. Oh, God. So you're not getting a time episode, but you are getting this, <laughs> this uh, very floaty and... Um, a disjointed dissertation on the things that ail me, the existential qualms that keep me up at night. I guess I should stop there. If I, I want to keep this dialogue going. So like if you guys have pieces that you want to share, if you have essays that you've read, like this episode is just kind of like the kitchen sink. We just, you know, we're kind of feeling it out, still building this thing. It's all amorphous. Um, so let me know what you think. Leave comments. Like I said, if you have pieces that you want to share, books that you think would um, you know, scratch these itches I've been having, let me know. Oh, and caveat, I have read Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino, and I have read most of her pieces. I actually did prepare a couple quotes from one of her pieces in The New Yorker. Um, it is, let me pull it up. I didn't reference it because I felt that it wouldn't really coincide super nicely with, um, what I just discussed about Rain Fisher Kwan's piece, but, um, she wrote a piece in the New Yorker about a photo book called Surface Tensions by Tabitha Soren. And it's this, the photo book is a whole examination of the smudges and the fingerprints that our hands leave on our screens, like the screens of our devices. And as these smudges and fingerprints are illuminated, they linger over images that we compulsively scroll through. And it's this whole exploration sort of charting 
the activity on our phones via these smudges and fingerprints and just how they lay on top of our screens. You can check that out. I will link that as well. But yeah, we're just chatting. And I thank you so much for joining the chat. I really, really enjoyed this. This was the journey today. And I loved every minute of it. So thank you for joining. Let me know what you think. If you're like, what the hell was that? Let me know. That's fine. And I hope you have amazing days. I love you all so much. Thank you for your continued support. Please make sure to rate it on Spotify. Give it five stars. I'm now on Apple Podcasts as well. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye.